As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the Forum Club, Lakers podcast from The Athletic. I'm Bill Orem, joined as always by Anthony Slater and Yo Von Buha. Fellas, what's going on? Nada. You know, <laughs> great, Compel- <laughs> compelling start, <laughs> compelling podcast content. Yeah, just getting ready for the next week. It's transaction season. It's it's like one of two really high intensity. It's it's the lower of the two, but it's one of the more high intensity weeks of transactions. And the Lakers seem like they're kind of an outside looking in, ready to just kind of clean up the scraps a little bit, right? I mean, just buy out heaven down in LA. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it's kind of what we've been talking about for several weeks now as we're kind of moving toward this and the trade deadline, if guys can't get moved, you know, they're going to start, you know, getting their walking papers and you're going to be kind of the moment of truth with some of these names we've been hearing about, um, you know, Trevor Ariza and Andre Drummond, um, you know, some of these other guys that I think we've talked about ad nauseum. Um, Jovan, where are you at on this? You think the Lakers are going to pull the trigger on anything, uh, trade-wise, or is it just going to be sit back and wait to see who becomes available? I think if they do a trade, it would probably have to be for someone that's going to move the needle a bit, just because Kelly Eco just did a story for, for The Athletic on P.J. Tucker and his trade market, and he asked me to propose a, a deal from the Lakers side, and I really struggled coming up with a deal of you know like who would the lakers trade to to get pj tucker and that's what before even getting into like we don't know what shape pj tucker is going to be in he's obviously struggled this season not been the the pj tucker we've seen the last few years so before even factoring in like you know what what type of production he can give you just making the 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 contracts match up it's like are they going to give up a kcp or a montrez harrell or even a a talon horton tucker alex caruso to get a PJ Tucker, I don't think so. So now you're left with Wes Matthews and Alfonso McKinney and maybe Keith, but but then now you're you're losing two rotation guys for a guy that like PJ Tucker hasn't really been better than even Keith, I would say this, this season. And I, I think he the is Rockets better. Rockets don't want that, right? Yeah, and, and the, 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 Rock, the Rockets want a legit want like assets. young. Yeah, they they want picks. They they want young guys. So. I don't see them trading the 2027 pick for PJ Tucker either. So, I mean, PJ is one guy, but 2027 is so far away. Yovan's going to be like 30 there. <laughs> but I think most likely they just stand pat and and play the buyout market, and it's just whoever is the top big or 
and or three and D wing. I, you know, they could sign a couple guys. Um, I think the Lakers are probably the top destination, you know, that, them or the Nets. But I do think if they end up, you know, making a trade, it's probably for a bigger fish that would have to include a, a Montrez Harrell or a KCP or, or someone key in the rotation. But they're not just going to do that for anybody. It has to be someone who's probably starter level, I think. The Warriors didn't make an in-season trade from February 2014 to February through February 2019. Five straight deadlines when they were winning or when they were going to five straight uh what you know they won five straight west titles won three nba titles and it was because like they were in whatever the catbird seat basically at the deadline where it was like they're the prohibitive favorite so they don't necessarily have to shake anything up like the lakers are right now and also because they were the prohibitive favorite and they were in a appealing in an appealing market they were the the most sparkling trade deadline or I mean buyout destination. So they could get an impact guy with literally not paying for a high impact guy and not giving up an asset for a high impact guy. And to me, that's where the Lakers sit. Like why use an asset when you know you you're there's going to be three to four guys to choose from. And you know, all of them probably will want to go to the Lakers first, but at least one or two of them will. And you can sit there and basically choose from that and you're going to pay a vet minimum or whatever for it. Um, and also, as for Tucker, where it changes, like I do think Tucker is going to be the one that has to get traded for because he's on a lower deal than like an Aldridge or a Drummond who just like almost are untradeable. But I don't even really like Tucker as a fit on the Lakers. I like him a lot of other places. The Lakers don't need a PJ Tucker, as you mentioned. They need a like Ariza or a Drummond or even a JaVale McGee. We could talk, but like you know that positionally is what they need to me more than like a small ball PJ Tucker center. You guys understand the mechanics of the JaVale thing, right? And how that would need to go down. And if, if, if anyone listening doesn't, it's not so simple that the Cavaliers could just buy out JaVale. Um, he needs to be, and, and I mean, the Lakers, the Cavaliers could buy out JaVale, but he couldn't then sign with the Lakers. There needs to be another move in between for him to be able to come back this season. So if the Cavaliers traded him, let's say as part of an Andre Drummond trade, let's make up a team. I don't know to the, to the St. Petersburg, uh, Raptors and the Raptors then waived JaVale. The Lakers could then sign him um, for the rest of the season, but there needs to be sort of a, a, an extra arm of a deal. It's not something where the Lakers could just sign him off the buyout market. If, if Cleveland cut him loose, is that where the Raptors are playing now? St. Petersburg. Exactly. Yep. Russia. (laughs) That's just so odd. That remains odd. And it's because we're not traveling this season. You turn on a Raptors game and in your mind, they're playing in Toronto, right? Yeah. But it's like, oh, this team, this team had, was in a back-to-back last night in Orlando and took the, the the drive up the road. I don't know. It's just because we all know that the NBA circuit is just weird that the Toronto Raptors are in, are in uh, Tampa right now. But anyway. We the north of Miami. <laughs> they are north of Miami. That's true. Um, like, how many people do you think have, like, canceled their subscriptions to The Athletic because of my puns on this podcast? Maybe seven. Not not many. Just, like, you know, I mean, th- a few that is like That is a significant number. Like, that is a significant blow to the company. I really hope that, you know, management doesn't listen to this and find out that you think that I'm, I've cost the, the Athletic seven paying customers. But then you write one of your terrific features and you load 17 more in the, the uh, barrel and really you're a plus 10. I mean, it's like... You know, if we're talking plus minus, you're you're on the plus. It's okay. Am I, am I the Alex Caruso of, of um, <laughs> plus minus God? Oh my! Uh, let me ask you guys. So, if the Lakers basically have their choice of likely buyout candidates, is is it definitely Drummond, or what do you? Th- who do you think is like prime target number one? 
I mean, I, I, I don't know why it wouldn't be Drummond. I, I suppose if Lamarcus Aldridge is on the, the, the market, you can have a conversation about whether Lamarcus is appealing. But like to me, Drummond does the things that made you so lethal last year with with your bigs. With and you know he can be a he's a younger, more athletic, more frankly dynamic Dwight Howard at this point. Um, so to me, like that would be and, and uh, Jovan, I know you are the you are team get another wing, and I think that that's important also. But you're not going to be able to add a player of the caliber, you know, a, a wing who is as good at what he does as Andre Drummond is at what he does. And so at this point, if you're stockpiling and trying to become as fearsome of a lineup as you can be to you know survive the playoffs, I think it's Drummond. Yeah, I think he's the talent play and I'm a fan of the talent play where you just get the best player available and he also happens to serve a need I do think it puts them in a interesting spot with Mark and Trez where you know you're, you're not gonna be playing three of those guys especially with AD you know eventually having to shift over to the five at least for some of the game maybe with Drummond you're, you're closing with, with him and AD at the five and the four but AD is gonna have to play some five in the playoffs it just doesn't make sense not to so I don't know you know in that case do they look to move Mark or Trez if they somehow land Andre Drummond although you might not know that you know before the trade deadline but I don't really see Mark or Trez accepting a third string center role you know maybe in this instance it, it probably becomes Mark you know, he, he probably just shifts to the bench and then you start Andre. But to Bill's point, I, I do think the wing position is still a, a position of need. Like, and that's where even PJ Tucker, while I, I agree he doesn't, they don't necessarily need him, but I do view him as a clear upgrade, kind of contradict myself here, but a, a clear upgrade over the, the West Keefe position. And again, I know he hasn't necessarily been like much better than those guys, but I do think similar to what we could see with Blake Griffin in Brooklyn, like him going to a contender, being in a new situation could bring out the best of PJ Tucker. But I do think, you know, be it PJ Tucker or Ariza or, or whoever is a three and D guy that, that hits the market. I think the, the Lakers could, especially shooting. I, I think shooting is more important. I think, I think defense, you have AD, you have LeBron, you have Kyle Kuzma. I think KCP has been solid defensively. Like you have enough defensive pieces, I think on the wing, but I do think they could use an injection of shooting because that at this point is this team's probably biggest flaw I think overall is they cannot shoot around LeBron and AD and defenses are going to load up against them in the playoffs and if they can't make them pay at a reasonable rate that is really going to affect them in certain series so I think finding a knockdown shooter at the two through four position is to me their biggest need overall JJ Redick <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Jovan, I admire your ability to care so much because like <laughs> I went through this last, no, I, like, I, I mean this sincerely. I went through this last year and Slater and I were doing the podcast. Slater was, you know, writing about the Lakers during the play or during the bubble. You know, the Lakers were the worst three-point shooting team in the entire effing bubble last year. And it was the same thing. It's like, oh my God, their shooting is going to catch up with them. And then the playoffs start and they were, I mean, listen, they weren't, they weren't setting the world ablaze, but they were capable, credible three-point shooting team. The offensive concerns from the, you know, the, the opening stages of the bubble were not, um, were not really valid. It just wasn't, it wasn't a problem. And so it's like, yes, I see everything you're saying. But because last year, and I know it's different years, and I know I shouldn't fall into this trap, and it's a logical fallacy. Um, you know, there'd be a lot of like uh, professors of rhetoric who'd be very mad at me for making this point. But it worked out just fine last year. You know, KCP turned it on when it mattered. So it's like, 
how much, how many knots do the Lakers need to tie themselves into to, to, um, to, to improve the personnel when they're playing in a season without fans, there's a lot, real lack of motivation. It's, it's the toughest mental season ever. And like, they're just trying to get to the playoffs. Like I just have some trust in the, the, the players that we're talking about, wait, it's KCP who's in his fourth year with the Lakers, LeBron, who's LeBron. Um, you know, I feel like what we're seeing is not what we would see from the same group of players when we get to the playoffs. So I think anything you do really needs to be on the margin so that you're not, you know, you know, you're not making a move that ultimately derails what you might already have, but you're just not seeing because of the circumstances. So the tough balance I see, like, I do think that Drummond is the best choice for them because of Anthony Davis insurance essentially what Bill's saying is right I mean I think if they just went into the playoffs healthy they do have a a sturdy enough rotation and a proven playoff rotation that they're the title favorites and I would you know unless somebody makes a big splash this week that I don't expect they will remain the title favorites until they're knocked off I mean we've discussed the Davis situation and I think a guy like Drummond gives you the talent upside of, of if Davis misses four straight playoff games if for some reason he's not playing the entire playoffs or just you know even if you have to rest him one night or you know minutes restriction when he comes back whatever like Drummond is more of an injection of like just offensive punch offensive talent that that you're missing from Davis he doesn't rim protect you I mean he's obviously not nearly as good as Davis but you know what I mean like it's just clearly the biggest talent to then put in Davis's place but the problem I see is Drummond is probably going to want guaranteed playing time guaranteed shots like that like a, lot of, a lot of these buyout guys especially ones at drummond's age he's younger than like a little marcus aldridge um they want to showcase themselves for the contract this offseason they want to go somewhere and be featured uh you know it's part of the reason why he was he and remains upset in cleveland is because he got knocked to the bench for jared allen and they they were posting him up a bunch and like letting him run the offense at times early in the season and then they stopped doing that because it wasn't really efficient and they were doing a youth movement there so I'm not sure because of of the dynamics Jovan laid out earlier with Montrezl Harrell and, and Marcus Sol. Like you can't just say yes, Andre Drummond. You're coming in. And you're definitely going to get 25 minutes and a bunch of shots and be a featured player. Um, but if if you knew he was going to basically behave and and not care about his role, then you would want him i think the most just because i do think davis insurance does matter yeah i mean and that's something we need to talk about i mean since we last spoke uh well i guess it was two weeks ago that we last did this right um we know more about the anthony davis injury not that we know much about the anthony davis injury but we know he's not back yet you know we know that he you know the original four week timeline has passed or tomorrow i guess tomorrow will pass but he's going to be out for another week and a half or so um you know he's gonna be re- well he's gonna be reevaluated in another week and a half and there's not really a great sense of urgency and Jovan, I mean, you've been on these same calls I have been, so tell me your sense of it, but I don't get the sense that, you know, he's ramping it up to come back at the end of that two weeks that they um, advised us of late last week. It seems to me like this might be a situation where, you know, at the end of two weeks, then he'll ramp it up more and then be reevaluated in another two weeks. Um, and, you know, so when are, when are we seeing Anthony Davis back? I mean, is it, is it mid April? Like would that, is that, is that optimistic? I mean, and, and is this an injury that is going to go away or at some point does it just become a matter of pain tolerance and anthony davis you know incredible at a lot of things and like you know but like you know playing through pain is not really one of his strengths i mean he like 
you know, I, I think he is, he would tell you this. I mean, it's like, it's part of why you see him go down so, so often and why his, you know, so many, you know, minor injuries or non injuries, but just getting hit, like look so bad in the moment, because I think he has a relatively low pain tolerance. And so, you know, if he has an injury that is about managing the pain, what could that mean for the long term for the Lakers? But I mean, what, what's just your sense, Jovan, been of kind of the messaging from the Lakers on AD? It seems like it, it's going to be a, a while. I mean, I think I'm with you in, in it probably being early to mid-April at this point. Um, I mean, you and I literally, I think right before the the Zoom call, we're, we're talking about it and we were like, sounds like he's going to be out at least two more weeks. And that's exactly what Frank Vogel ended up saying a few minutes later. I mean, it feels like they're going to be extra cautious with it. There was the report from Chris Haynes that he was going to be out three plus weeks a few days ago. And then we followed up and asked Frank about that. And he said that it was still a two week uh, reevaluation period. But, you know, that was the original diagnosis was that it was two weeks and then he'd be reevaluated and it it got pushed back. So to me, all, all the messaging is leading towards um him being out longer and i think for the lakers like fortunately that they're amid a pretty easy uh stretch of schedule and and i think this is a nice time for them to kind of boost their record and um kind of get back into maybe the two seed and and sort of bolster lebron's mvp chances but you know besides that like i I just think you got to be cautious with it and you know to your point tendinosis is not something that just goes away uh you know i i saw it uh, with the Clippers and, and Kawhi Leonard and, and him having to load manage because of that. Uh, and that was in his quad, which I think, you know, c- could be better or, or worse, depending on how you look at it. So I think for the Lakers, there really is no reason to rush him back uh, aside from, I think continuity is, is the one concern, not record. I think they're fine, you know, regardless of seating, but it's just the having the reps and the continuity w- with him and the starters, him and the closers, him and some of the the, the bench, like, you're going to miss out on that. But aside from that, I think you just have to play it safe and bring him back whenever he's physically able to kind of withstand the discomfort that's just going to come from playing through this. He was taking jumpers out in Chase Center before the game, uh, whatever day that was. Monday. Monday night. Uh, And he was still like, they were completely flat-footed jumpers. You know, he's not leaping off that foot. Achilles, whatever right now, which, you know, obviously... The doctors know if he should or shouldn't be, and and they rightfully are taking a cautious approach. But, you know, how many days, how many weeks now are we from that just one-step move in Denver? It was February 14th. Yeah. He's going to end up missing over half the regular season, Man, which is wild. How many games has he missed now? 17. He's missed 17? Oh, yeah, yeah, because if you go back and look at, like, not just with this injury, I think it's like 13 with this injury. Maybe not. I mean, break, but, probably but like, somewhere like around on, half, in, in total. Yeah, it could be close to thirty. Yeah, or I mean, maybe over. Um, Slater, are you uh, back to going to games now? Are you going to games at Chase? I've been to like eight this year. I mean, I can. You get tested before you go in, which like kind of is a bonus because number one, you feel obviously a bit safer. Plus, um, you know if you have it or not. I guess you know. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> and it's free to get tested, or I guess yeah. it's on the, their bill. I don't know. But yeah, I've been to like I said about eight. It's fine. I prefer when fans are there. And that does sound like it's coming, by the way. Slowly. You know, Gavin Newsom uh, had an update on that two nights ago, I want to say, and kind of was circling maybe mid-May. And, you know, I know people, some people who are optimistic that it could be before that, it could be April. Um, you know, that would, I mean, listen, I mean, everyone would win if, if fans could safely be in the building. You know, in terms of energy in the building, you know, fans have the opportunity to go see their team again. I, it, you know, just, it's a... 
Um, sports are better with fans. I think is, the, is what we've learned over the last year. Um, by the way, um, guys, I am just I'm breaking news on this podcast, which will not be breaking news by the time <laughs> by the time people listen to it. But uh, I just saw a tweet that apparently there's an Oklahoma City Miami deal inv- involving Trevor Ariza. So I know we've talked about Trevor Ariza as a possibility for the Lakers, kind of off and on. Um, the Lakers tried to trade for him a couple of years ago before he landed in uh, Phoenix. So um, or no, before Phoenix traded him to Washington. So. Um, it looks like he's heading to Miami for Myers Leonard in a second round pick per Woj, uh, which I assume Myers Leonard will get sliced off the roster quite quickly in Oklahoma city. But yeah, easiest $9 million Myers Leonard ever made. I don't know. He's made some pretty easy money, uh, in previous years. Remember, I think he was part of that 2016 off season where he got huge money in Portland and then pretty soon after was like out of the rotation. So he's made some, he's made some money in his life, not playing much. Um, so yeah, that takes that takes a an important useful piece for the Lakers off the board. Probably the one that would slide into the rotation the easiest, right? And but we also don't know what Trevor Ariza looks like. He among all these guys we're talking about, he literally hasn't played this season. He never even went to camp with the Thunder. So right. you know what it reminds me of with Miami though. It reminds me of the Andre Iguodala move they made last year. It's exactly Met, the when, same. Yeah, Iguodala was on Memphis, but he was never really on Memphis. When the Warriors traded him there, he like never even left the Bay Area. Waited all the way till the deadline, and then got traded there and actually signed a big extension I'm, I'm curious if miami works behind the scenes and maybe they're gonna sign a reason to like you know give him another year and like 10 mil or something like that i don't know but it seems like a lot for trevor reason at this point yeah you're right you're right it is i'm surprised that was the price i mean so they're, they're, low, they're basically think? yeah they're basically just getting a 2027 20, second round pick I, I feel like someone else could have topped that but. No, so so I think the I mean think about what we were talking about here. We're talking about Trevor Reza being a buyout guy, yeah. And it's like a twenty twenty seven second rounder is better than a buyout because you know they're going to buy out Myers Leonard probably now, just like they would have bought out Ariza, but they now have a pick, and that's just Sam Preston's right. mo. I mean, he just yep. got a small asset instead of zero assets. I get it from OKC's point of view. I'm saying I, I'm surprised no one else on the market could have topped that, like just with a slightly better offer. Yeah, but but, yeah. but who want you know like the Lakers wanted? I'm sure like we're in the market, but they weren't going to give up absolutely anything for yeah. him. They don't have they money don't have to, to, give to match. You know? yeah. yeah, I mean it's like the Lakers contract wise. I mean maybe you could have put together you know Wesley Matthews and um, you know maybe Markeith. Does that get you there financially? But it's it, it, and then, then, you're, then you're losing a key big and like and then and then a second. So you're getting there financially. Now you're giving up an asset. And, you know you probably don't care a whole lot about assets right now, but you. I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't know that the Lakers need to be playing in that price range as low as it is. Like, I just think that the Lakers have a roster that can contend. They can let the they can let the market settle and 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 they'll be fine. Like, I just don't. I don't think they need to get caught up in any bidding wars. A buyout of their choice, basically. Yeah. I mean, like, I agree. Don't make an in season trade when you're like the heavy favorite. I just I don't think that's the way to go. Unless it's like a must-have guy, and I just don't—I don't know of a Trevor Reza who hasn't played basketball in how long? He didn't even play in the bubble. He hasn't played since March 2019. Yep, it's more than a year. Whenever, whenever he played his last game for the Blazers, which would have been you know March 10th, March 11th, something like that, March 9th. So yeah, yeah. we've talked yeah. ourselves out of Trevor Ariza. The the Lakers dodged a bullet with Trevor <laughs> well, that, Ariza. That's Woo! gone. Yeah, good restraint by Rob Palinka. I want to be clear too that I'm not necessarily advocating for them to force a trade. I think it's gonna be hard for them to make a trade unless they give something up of substance right like I, I just think they don't have that like guy making eight to 12 million that's expendable everyone in that range is a valuable part of the rotation so to give up one of those guys i think you're gonna have to be getting something back that that's pretty valuable but 
I, I do think though, if there is an opportunity to just add someone, like I think those that Keith West spot in particular, you know, kind of the, the 10th, 11th spot in the rotation is very upgradable, right? Like it, it is, I think there are going to be multiple guys that are probably better than, than either one of those. I, I know, I guess Keith has been playing better recently, but like kind of just looking at his season overall. Um, and and so that's more so what I'm talking about. But I, I do think if they stand pat and don't add anybody and, and just keep it, maybe they sign Damian Jones for the rest of the season, keep the, the 14 player roster, like, I think they're in great shape. I, I just think if you can get better, like why not? Was that a Damian keeping Damian Jones? Is that happening? You think? No. Hey, he looked good against Minnesota. <laughs> hey, they um do not have a. I mean, what are they going? I mean, they can sign someone else to a ten day, I guess, when his expires in like four days. But um, I am really interested in in what happens there because they need they need a center. Marcus Saul is out, you know, seemingly indefinitely with, you know, uh. I mean, if we call a spade a spade, it seems like likely that he contracted coronavirus um, and is, is recovering. He's been out just with the the health and safety protocols for several weeks now, and we don't have a, a clear sense of when he'll come back and or how much time you would need to kind of ramp back up. Um, so, you know, they need a center. And I, I, I think it's possible that they end up they do end up signing Damian Jones because of that, which leads me to my next my next point about the Lakers, since we're talking about, you know, upgrading kind of at the back end of the bench. Jared Dudley has a torn MCL and it, it, I think, I think you, I think it is at best questionable of whether or not he would be healthy enough to, to participate again this season, um, it, you know, by the playoffs. And he talked about yesterday that, you know, he's foregoing surgery. He's hoping it'll heal naturally. Surgery would mean he'd be out four to six months, which would certainly rule him out for the rest of the year. So he's hoping to heal and come back by the end of the playoffs. But it's like, man, Jared Dudley for as good as he is in the locker room and for as good as he is on the bench and with the young guys and helping kind of be sort of a, a conduit between LeBron and the rest of the, um, the, the roster. I mean, is there, is there going to be come to be a point where the Lakers need Jared Dudley's roster spot? I don't know. I mean, that's the first thing I thought about when, when we heard he had a torn MCL. Um, I don't know. Jovan, what do you think? Yeah. And he was talking about playing next season, right? Like he, he was saying he, he wants to be on the roster next season. And I, I just think at some point he brought up Udonis Haslam and I, I know that's worked for Miami, but that's such a waste of a roster. Spot. Yeah. Just it's be just an assistant coach. You're already an assistant coach. Essentially his playing days appear very over. And that's what, you know, a, a couple of those types of questions were posed, uh, were, were posed to him. And, and he basically said that there are certain things he can say as a player on the team and in the locker room that he could not say as an assistant coach. He's like, there's things I can say that even Jason Kidd, who's a, you know, a hall of fame point guard can't say as an assistant coach. Uh, so he was kind of making that case, but I'm with you. Like I, I, I've been kind of saying since the beginning of the season, like I, I thought he should have been the guy that they waived if they had to waive someone. It ended up being Quinn Cook, but I think Quinn Cook is a better player than Jared Dudley at, at this stage of his career. And I know he has the value in the locker room and it's hard to calculate, you know, that, that sort of, you know, worth to, to the team. But I think at, at this point, it's like, why not just you know, wave him and, and have him be an assistant coach on the staff. And you could just pay him, you know, I don't know, a high salary, a million dollars, whatever. And- oh, my God. Get out of here. No, you give him, him $80,000 like every other like low-level assistant coach. Get get out of here. Give him a million dollars to be an assistant coach. You are like off your well, meds. Get out of here. It's the trade-off, though. You got to 
Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. I mean, I'm I'm not here to tell anybody when their basketball career is over. You know, because like these, this is their livelihood. This is what Jared Dudley's been doing forever. So like, you know, if you want to keep chasing the dream, chase the dream. But I, what I would say is like, title teams, neon rainbow. Title teams shouldn't be wasting roster spots. The Haslam thing is is an interesting, you know, whatever doppelganger, whatever you want to call it. And the Lakers. I would say that Giannis Haslam Jer- has played for the Miami Heat since 2003. Jared Dudley has played for the Lakers since 2019. Yeah, there's a, there's a difference there. Yeah. To your original point, if they need the roster spot, it should be him. You can't just be sacrificing roster. And then you can put the decision up to him like, look, you know, we're not trying to force you into retirement. If you really think you can play and you can get a contract, sure. I mean, you can go elsewhere. But if they're comfortable also saying we have an assistant coaching spot, and then he has to make a decision like, what does he want his post career to look like? Is that front office? Maybe I, I don't know. You guys probably you guys know him better than I do. I don't know if you have a sense of where he wants to do it all. He talks about doing it all. Like he's like, I could be in the media. I could be a front office guy. I could be a coach. And and listen, he still does want to be. He still does want to play. I agree with you, Slater. We don't want to like prematurely retire the dude. Um, and maybe he does come back and get healthy in time for the playoffs. And you know, you know, he is a you know real key figure in that locker room. And right now, uh, so Yovan, check me on this. They've got. 13 guys under contract right now, plus Damian Jones, who's the 14th guy. So they don't need a roster spot so much as they might need the financial flexibility. But they, maybe they got that with um, with Quinn. They got it, but they, they might need a roster spot just because of how many guys they're missing right now. I mean, that, that's right. kind of the thing in the COVID season is like every roster spot is valuable. It's more valuable than I, I think in a normal season. And that's where, you know, they've kind of run up against it now where, um, like Alfonso McKinney has, has sort of been thrust into the rotation. Like He's not, playing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, and I don't think it's, it's just cause he had a good game in Sacramento. I, I think it's cause they, they, they need those, you know, kind of to, to spare some of those wing minutes that they've now lost with, um, you know, Mark out and, and AD out and, yeah. you know, Kuz is playing more at the four and going a little bit smaller. So, you know what else I would say about Dudley's roster spot? I mean, like I watched a decent amount of the G league bubble, the Warriors sent two you know, guys who are now in their rotation down there. So I watched a decent amount. Like, there's some good young players down there, like projects that you could add to a roster, and, like, the Lakers wouldn't necessarily play them. But you can grow them behind the scenes like they did with Taylor Horton Tucker last year. You know what I mean? Like, Jared Dudley, And they like don't I said, have any draft picks, so that's yeah. a good way to build around So, I, I mean, I know that you want, you mostly want to use these back-end roster spots right now for, like, buyout ads that can maybe, like, give you – 10 important minutes in the playoffs at some point. But also, like, if we're talking about Dudley basically, in a sense, being, like, from a playing standpoint, a waste of a rush, bro, I understand what he does behind the scenes. Like, yeah, they're, they're – I could name seven projects that could one day be a Lakers rotation piece, and we know Jared Dudley is not one day going to be a Lakers rotation piece again. I've got time. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. For one example, the Milwaukee the, – the Warriors G League team had a guy named Axel Tupan who was awesome in the bubble for, and he's not on the Warriors roster. He's just played for the Santa Cruz Warriors. Then the Milwaukee Bucks just signed him. So I mean, this type of stuff's going on around the league. But anyway, go ahead. Couldn't he also technically medically retire and still get his money? I mean, I guess if they waived him, but like that, that would be kind of a different way to go about it. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but I think the the player still gets like they're off the cap. They get their money, so it's it's more ideal than, than waving. But. Let me ask you guys: What didn't Cousins stick around a little bit last year? After I was going to mention laid? that. Yeah, yeah. So he was he was still at the facility. He was at games. He wasn't on the bench, but you know he was at practices and working. Um, uh, you know, working out with uh, Lakers coaches. Um, you know, able to use their facility. 
Um, and, you know, they, they said basically, you know, that was, you know, because he'd been a part of their program. They didn't want him to go away. They just needed the roster spot. Now he wasn't traveling. He wasn't on the road. Um, and it just is, you know, I mean, that is probably the comp. But like Jared Dudley would tell you that his whole value is being in the hotel and sitting around with these guys when they're sitting in whatever ballroom they can be in six feet apart and eat, drink wine. It's not illegal for them to do that, right? Couldn't they just cut it and say, sure, you get on the plane. You're your player's guess, assistant. Yeah. You're, Le- you're LeBron's friend. I don't know. Whatever, you know. Sure. Um, you know, title they want to give him. Couldn't they just be like, and you know, he'd be rehabbing, you know, he could be on the road and still doing rehab or whatever work he wanted to do. I, I just, that might be harder in the pandemic season than in another season. Uh, but I'm just spitballing. I don't know if, you know, in the day, the days of like, Oh, bring bring a family member on, on the charter or bring a friend on the charter. It might be a little tougher. Uh, but, but if he's, if you put him inside your protocol somehow or give him some sort of, staff position like you said players assistant maybe maybe it's maybe it's possible but you could even um, say assistant coach and then he doesn't serve like one you know i mean in general it's about how players feel you know if you're in coaches meetings and maybe given opinions and a part of the scouting report then they view you as a coach he doesn't he could just still be on the player side of this whole thing i don't know i mean we've probably gone way too deep into this but (laughs) yeah rob palinka if you have more questions about what you could and should do with um with Jared Dudley, give us a call. We'll speak offline, but I think we've probably used enough time on the forum club on this particular subject. But I mean, listen, the other thing is, I mean, Jared Dudley, you know, this isn't a career ending injury necessarily. I mean, it's something guys come back from. And so if he wants to play and there's a team that wants to bring him back, you know, he, there's every reason that he could you know, be healthy enough to, to play next year. It just happens to coincide with him being, you know, 36 years old, um, kind of, you know, at the end of the road, um, seemingly also. So you just wonder, you know, what, you know, what's left when he does come back from it. So um, anyway, uh, after all that, you know, best wishes to Jared Dudley, who's a really good dude. And hopefully, hopefully he gets what he wants out of it. He's got a great career in whatever he does ahead of him. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You guys, anything from the court recently that that sticks out to you? I mean, obviously LeBron's looks really good right now. Um, Montrezl Harrell, I thought, was just dominant in that Warriors game. It was a good matchup for him. But anything that trend-wise that that stuck out to you? LeBron's triple doubles. You know, he's been pretty dominant. Trez has seem seemingly reached a new gear, like you said. And and you know, I don't expect Taylor Horton Tucker to get ten assists maybe again this season. I mean, that felt like kind of lightning in a bottle and kind of a perfect storm. But um, you know, he's been really aggressive the last couple of games coming out of the All Star break, and that's really encouraging. And um, seventy three assists in the last two games from the Lakers. Um, I dare say that is you know Warriors esque. Um, you know, kind of from the early days of of, the, of their uh, of their dynasty. Um, you know, so and the Lakers are actually playing well uh, against you know some inferior competition. Granted but playing really well despite all the pieces they're missing. I'm going to play devil's advocate on the Trez situation a little bit. Of course you are. Of course you are. Because we because we can't just have nice things. We can't just say, that guy plays really friggin' hard. He brings it every day. He like he does what he does well, as well as anyone in the league. Yes, he's a flawed play- player. I'm a flawed podcaster. They still ask me to do this every single week. It doesn't mean I'm good at all aspects of it, but I'm good at what I am good at which is talking over you so you can't make your point 
Well, no, I, I just think we agree too much on this podcast sometimes. So I, I, I need to provide some of that spark. So I, my, my like thing with decorum club. <laughs> My, my thing with Trez is if you just look at the 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 three, so he's he's won twenty five plus in three of his last four games. But as someone who has you know closely watched him the, the last three seasons and then now uh, this season, I've said this many times. Like he is a guy who just dominates lottery teams. Like if if you look at his his box scores and just his game logs, like he is a guy who goes off against inferior competition. So. Him scoring 26 in Sacramento without LeBron and AD. Him scoring 27 against the Warriors, which is just not a good matchup for the Warriors, as uh, you know Slater and I discussed on the the postgame pod. And then him going up against a Minnesota team, which is just you know the the worst team in the league right now, and uh, just an atrocious defense. Like those are three inferior, you know, not well, maybe in Golden State's case, a lottery team, but you know, two of the three are are, are clear lottery teams. Uh, the, the the third is you know borderline, although they are good defensively. Um, so I, I I do think that it's positive. I, I'm not I'm not here to just rain on the parade and say like you know it's meaningless. But I do think that the context is you know if you look at it even earlier in the season, some of his highest scoring outputs have been against lottery teams and really bad defenses. So this is what Trez does. I, you know, I think if he continues this and we see this happen against a Philadelphia or a Milwaukee or, uh, a, you know, a Boston or like some of the better Eastern Conference or, or Western Conference teams, I will change my tune. But I, I think this is kind of par for the course with Trez where when he plays a team with a, you know, a bad center rotation or a bad defense, he's going to light them up for 20 plus and, and, and look dominant. When, when he plays some of the bigger, better defensive teams, that's where he tends to struggle offensively. So, uh, but as as for on the court things, I, I would quickly just say THT I think has looked really really good. Uh, I, I thought it was telling that Frank basically said, as of right now, he's going to be in the playoff rotation. You know, I, I kind of thought he was a borderline guy that maybe Wes, if he can kind of turn things around the second half of the season, would have that ninth spot or eighth spot, whatever, and, and and THT would maybe on the be on the outside looking in, but. It looks like you know th- there's no reason to not play him w- with the way he's playing and, and just sort of the groove he's in. And then I think LeBron, uh, you know, I'm planning on writing about this probably for next week. But LeBron t- to me is, is taking back the pole position in the MVP race. I think it's set up really nicely for him to win it now. Where you know, unfortunately for Joel Embiid and the Sixers, it looks like he's going to be out for a few weeks, and that's going to knock him in the race. Lillard, Damian Lillard. That's what I'm saying. Yes. I mean, listen. I know. I know. I'm supposed to be on like Team LeBron, but like Damian. No, you are not, Bill. You're supposed to be on Team Objective, Bill. You and and you're gonna say that Damian Lillard's making it. He's making a search. He's making it interesting. You cannot have a conversation about MVP right now without Damian Lillard. So I I went back and looked at just just the last 20 years, looking at the, the millennium, and Russell Westbrook is the only MVP to not be, be on a top three seed in their conference to win the MVP. And, and Russell Westbrook, that, that's a controversial MVP. I think, like, I, I personally thought James Harden should have won. I'm st- I'm going to go down on that hill um, that I, I just, you know, I, I, I disagreed with that MVP. But th- that is one of the more controversial ones. And that is the only MVP in the last 20 years to not be in a top three seed. So I think when you look at, you know, guy, other guys in the mix, Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, uh, Giannis, I think, is going to suffer from voter fatigue. Like those guys, I just think the hurdle is going to be it's hard to be an MVP on a four or five or six seed, or maybe even in Steph's case, you know, like an eight seed. 
So I, I, I think like those guys deserve to be in the conversation. But if the Lakers are a top two seed and Dame is like the five or six seed, I think LeBron's going to get it, you know, wh- whether that's right or not. So I do think that LeBron's kind of advantage right now is there isn't another kind of guy on, on one of these top two or three teams in each conference that can really go toe to toe with him other than Embiid. But now Embiid's going to, he's already missed a few games. He's going to miss at least a couple more weeks. And I think that's going to give LeBron an advantage. So I do think he looks like he's probably going to win, you know, his fifth MVP. I mean, the Lakers have 13 losses and the Blazers have 16 losses. Like the Lakers are close. It is close. You know, I mean, this is the Lakers are not runaway, obvious favorites. And the fact that the Blazers are only three losses behind the Lakers says a lot about what Lillard's done. And just to kind of add some more texture to that, it's they haven't had CJ McCollum and, uh, and Yusuf Nurkic for two months. Um, and so that, again, like, and you could use that same, again, logic, again, apologies to all rhetoric professors out there, because I'm just abusing all of the, the hallmarks of, of, of rhetoric. But like Damian Lillard is doing so much for his team because of who they're missing. And you can say the same for LeBron with what he doesn't have with, with, with AD. But the Lakers are also like, what, in these games without AD, are they six and seven? Like they're not like setting the world ablaze. They're now ten and seven overall, but but I think but, I but think in this, referencing, in this stretch with yeah, this particular yeah, 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 injury, yeah, yeah. correct. Like with this particular yeah. injury, they're six and seven. You know, maybe they'll be five hundred after they play Charlotte on Thursday. But you know, it's not like LeBron has kept them just surging in the West. Um, you know, Damian Lillard is doing more, I think, than he's ever done. Um, he you know has won. Well, hold on, is it is this a Lakers podcast or is this a Blazers podcast? Well, we're Listen, discussing man. the MVP. <laughs> And there's a Laker involved, but I mean, the, you, you no, I'm can't just, I'm deny. Just, I'm just joking. I'm just yeah, joking. no, no, I, I got think, you. You know what? But, I think you're right. I think you're right. But like, I think that it is important to acknowledge. Lillard's narrative is growing. The, it's growing. It's growing. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm not. I'm not saying like LeBron is the overwhelming favorite or like having this insane season. I, I just think that if he's in the mix, there, there is going to be like, I would not be surprised if voters just default to. Uh, you know, I, I think Zach Lowe just said it uh, last week. Like this guy's been the best player for a decade plus and has not won the MVP in eight years. And now th- it's hard to pick a season that he should have won it, but it, it, during that stretch. But I, I just think last that year, yeah, yeah, maybe last year. And I think he probably would have won it had there not been the pandemic and, and the stoppage. But I, I think it's just you know he's. I still think he's the best player in the league. He, you know, be it uh, record wise, you know, the Lakers are up there. Uh, be it his production, he is not at the Embiid Jokic level, but but in you know across most advanced stats is in that kind of three to five range in, in most of them. So I, I think he has a strong case. I, I'm not saying he's you know again I'm not saying this is like his 2013 season in Miami, he's but the favorite. I right think now. he's the favorite I, right now. Yeah, I think I would, it's shaping up nicely is what I'm saying. I think it's impressive because I, I didn't think he would be the favorite at this moment when when AD went down. I think the fact that LeBron is still the favorite. I think we agree he's the favorite for a variety of reasons, um, not the least of which is I think voters will be mindful of the fact that you know we talk about him as arguably the greatest of all time, top two all time, and th- does he go into the you know the great the great white light of retirement eventually with four MVPs or, or is he with five MVPs and it becomes, 
you know, how many more chances are you going to have to give LeBron an MVP vote? And I know that these are not the arguments that anyone will make in their end of year, how I voted piece. But I think that, I think that creeps into your mind a little bit when you're, when you're, when you're, you know, filling out that bubble. The Embiid injury obviously cleared the path for him. I, if you were projecting forward, I do think the Lakers are going to finish significantly ahead of the Blazers. Let's say the Lakers are a two seed, the Blazers are a six seed, and they're separated by nine games in the win loss column. Yes, that will feel significant. But right now, they're just not. And right now, Lillard had 50 and a, like basically a game winner um, the other night with it, or what they come back from like 17 down in the last like five minutes or something like that. And Heisman moments matter in this stuff. And he has, you know, one after another. (laughs) I mean, the way he's done this like Dame time stuff in the fourth quarter. uh, I mean, how many backbreaking shots for wins does he have at this point this season? Like seven, maybe? I mean, I'm not talking buzzer beaters, but like the signature shot of a close late game win that the Blazers shouldn't have. And like that type of stuff sticks. It's really why, you know, you mentioned the controversial Westbrook MVP choice. You remember Westbrook was doing the same thing that year where it wasn't Mm -hmm. just, it was the triple doubles and people want to act like it was just numbers. It was two things. It was Durant had just left that franchise for dead and Westbrook resuscitated them. And then Westbrook was absurd in the clutch that year, including remember the to clinch the playoff spot. He hit like a 40 foot game winner on the Nuggets in Denver and the entire the Nuggets hadn't risen to contender status. And the entire Nuggets crowd was like cheering him on because it was like this great moment for them. I don't know. It was like really odd. I remember that. But that stuff matters. It's like I should it should it not. I don't know. But like we're human voters and. What Lillard's done matters. Now, he has to continue this. They have to stay close to the Lakers in the standings. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. But as of our us talking, I you know, he's really gaining on the field. Yeah, I, I agree. And like our, our colleague Jason Quick has written, obviously, so many wonderful pieces about Dame this year. Um, but, you know, one thing he's pointed out on multiple occasions, there have been like two or three games where Dame has won games by taking a charge. And like, this is not a player we talk about as a defensive stalwart, and I'm not going to argue that he has rounded into this complete two-way, you know, um, force. But the fact that you know, you can you can point to game-winning plays that aren't just you know 40-foot threes, I think does kind of help round out um, who he has become as a player. Two more names I wanted to throw in. I already mentioned Jokic. I think you know Denver has quietly been ascending up the standings and uh, is right now the the five seed, and I think has a, a Outside shot to, to get into the top four, probably not with, with how good those top four have been, but you never know. I mean, they're only a game back in the lost column of the Clippers. Uh, and then speaking of the Clippers, I, I think Kawhi Leonard is kind of the one guy that for whatever reason, or I mean, the, I don't know if it's just the Clippers don't necessarily get the same level of attention this year because of the playoff collapse or whatever. But um, I think Kawhi, you know, is also kind of in this mix and um, he has missed a few games and that, that is going to be a concern if he, if he misses some more in the second half of the season. But I do think, you know, if you look at a lot of the advanced numbers, Kawhi is right there with LeBron, with, with Dame, with Steph in, in some of these categories. And um, I think if the Clipper, I mean, if the Clippers are the four seed, I, I don't see him getting it, but if they somehow 
uh, get back to being the one or two seed as they were earlier in the season, I think Kawhi has a shot as well. Look at us being jazz haters. Best team in the league, and we're not even. I mean, yeah, I just I, I don't see it. I, I agree, obviously. I, I agree with that, but it's just funny. How about them getting both picked last in that all-star draft with Durant and LeBron? That was hilarious. As someone who lived in Utah for a number of years, covered the jazz, I mean, it's just like it fits so perfectly into the into the narrative jazz fans tell themselves about how they can't get any respect and how everyone like, you know, and then, and it was, what was interesting though, was then seeing like the way jazz players also sort of fed into that. Like after, I don't even remember what game it was. They the lost Philly maybe game, when yeah. they didn't, they weren't, they weren't getting certain calls. Then they started talking about like how Utah doesn't get any respect because they're a small market. And it's like, you can't be buying into like the, the nonsense that your fans say on Twitter. Like, it's just like, you can't have actual players like parroting, like the, re- I've said rhetoric so many times on this podcast, I need a new word, but like the rhetoric that your, that your, that your fans are, are pumping out on social media, but whatever. I, but I digress. We could close it with some jazz. Hate. I appreciate it. Well, listen, I'm going to close it by thanking you two guys who are actually tied at the top of my MVP rankings. I think you guys should be co-MVPs of this and all episodes of the Forum Club. Very grateful for you and appreciate your insight as always. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in and supporting the Forum Club, subscribing to and liking stories on The Athletic. Um, you know, it's been a crazy year. I don't think that we can, um, I, don't, I don't think that we can really fully capture what a strange year this has been to be a sports writer in the United States, obviously, you know, whatever you do in your life has been, has been much stranger because of the circumstances of the year. So it's not different. It's not, you know, it's not any different for you than it is for us, but you know, we've worked hard to, you know, have interest tell interesting stories, have interesting conversations about the teams we cover and uh, just really grateful for everyone who has, um, has, has tuned into this podcast each week. You know, here we are second half of the season uh, should be exciting for the Lakers should be exciting to you know another playoff run, see if they can defend their title, if they're able to make it without running out of gas. I mean, a lot of really compelling stuff to come and it's, uh, you know, look, it's only going to get better. So thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing and we will talk to you next week.